Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Jonathan with The Zero System. I'm here with Brian Pryor. And today we have our special new friend, Brian De Oliveira. And uh, he is actually an incredible composer, uh, musician, engineer, and mastermind behind the music for Shadow of the Tomb Raider, um, one of my favorite video games of the year. And just for the record, one of my favorite video game soundtracks of all time now, even though it's new to me. Um, the minute I played it, I went on Facebook and I... I was telling Brian and Ryan that I actually went on and um, and I posted a uh, just a quick post and said, hey, can somebody put me in touch with the composer who wrote the music? And um, my friend Abesh immediately tagged me or tagged Brian in the uh, in the post. And here we are. <laughs> so this is yeah. amazing. So um, thanks for being here. It's awesome to have you. Thank you. Um, yeah. And I just thought today we're just going to, you know, a little bit about the Zero System thing is we're a spatial audio company and we make... Uh, spatial music in particular and um we wanted to just pick your brain about that because you and i had a great conversation on the phone and yeah um got a chance to interact and talk more about what you do so we just wanted to let you share your stuff because you're out here for the oscars right yeah this is amazing that i uh did music for uh got nominated a short film called fove so it's been uh it's been an experience that's for sure it's amazing yeah so yeah th- thanks for being here and uh thanks for not and uh, thanks for not finding our friend request uh, like really creepy and stuff. Um, we do a lot of cold calling, but we've uh, we've noticed that everybody in this space so far has been uh, super genuine and uh, very very upfront um, about friend requests and uh, cold calls and stuff. And everybody's generally very supportive, um, especially for upstart people like like us and stuff. So thank you, thank you for not. Well, thank you. It's interesting because it's it is a small community and. Uh, the initiative that you guys are taking, it's uh, its commendable. There's not a lot of people. So, you know, right away, I could tell that you guys were passionate and, and real. So, yeah, it makes... Yeah, thanks a lot. It's, an, it's a pleasure. Yeah, I remember, um, and, you know, just for people who are watching and listening, you know, when Brian and I met, it was um, after that Facebook DM, we spent a few weeks trying to get together and be able to chance, get a chance to talk. And um, when we finally got to talk, it was... It was like, I don't know if you felt this way and it's okay if you didn't because I'm a really mushy guy and everything, but it was like, I felt like I had known you for a lot longer, you know, because it was like, we spoke the same language, you know, when it came to, um, you know, talking about like our creative purpose and what we want to do with music and what is, you know, what is the role of music and what is the role of, you know, immersion in music and what kind of opportunities does that unlock? Um, And, you know, because I, cause I think one of the, and Ryan and I were talking about this on the way up here, and it's kind of something we wanted to ask you about. It was one of the first questions on our mind was, you know, a lot of people are getting into spatial audio, but they're doing it to try to enhance the thing that they're already doing. But sometimes it's apparent that, you know, like your whole paradigm has to shift into, you know, music as an immersive experience is different than taking music that is just a random piece of music and turning it into an immersive project, right? Yeah, so. I think music should be... It, this medium actually allows us to get into what music used to be like. Uh, the idea that that the environment around us was was the music for, for our ancestors in a sense. Mm-hmm. Like uh, even mm-hmm. the concept of music actually it, it's a it's a recent construct because before, if you're looking at pre-Hispanic cultures, for example, and this mm. is something that I got into, they, they don't have a word for music. For them, doing music or sounds was part of their daily lives. It, it was an intrinsic part of, of, of what they did within their rituals and what and, and their basically like their, their uh, actions within life. So 
and they would actually use spatialization in very smart ways. So you could say that they were the original sound designers. Mm. And we've been doing this forever. And now we're fine. Uh, what, what happened, you know, look, when they started with, with record players and we started with mono, we, our idea became a lot more centric around, oh, the music comes out of that speaker. And that's the source of the music. Whereas before we would be surrounded by it. And now we can recreate this and, and get back into our roots through technology, which is a, a crazy thing to say, mm. but it's I, that's that's one thing that I, I find fascinating. See, I find that I find that to be such an interesting uh, perspective because on our second podcast, when it was just John and myself, uh, we had mentioned briefly that that spatialization in music or the idea of an immersive experience is nothing new. Um, you know, we. Even even as early as opera and such, the whole idea was like, how can we how can we cross populate mediums to to develop a, an experience that tells a narrative arc that is emotional that all you know that has all of the properties that we're trying to do now using technology. But I had no idea about about the language thing and not having a word for music, and I think that's super interesting. Um, you know, um, I've, I've listened to a couple different podcasts or, uh, different, uh, maybe like YouTube videos or such that talk about language as a real, like, uh, I'm trying to figure out the word, but kind of like almost like a real lens into how the, about how the perceptions and uh, aesthetics of a particular culture form and exist like through what language they use or do not use for yeah. uh, for and that's expressed in the music as well and the sounds that they make and even the the rhythm in the music it comes out in the language it's all interconnected if you if you uh you know it's it, there's so many examples of that and uh, like we, we can go from the extreme from you know in the amazon like certain certain languages there like it's it's there's almost like it almost sounds like like birds in a sense, you know. Mm. They speak if they, if they, the sort of the rhythm and and the the fluctuations that they use. Uh, there's a lot of that. And uh, going into like going into Western culture, we've got a very structured. Uh, it, there's a lot of rules that are very specific. And then you can see, for example, in Italy, like you know, there's there's that structure, but there's that flowing. And then you hear, you know, Baroque music happens. Right, right, right. In the churches. So there is it. There is an intrinsic connection to that. Yes. Yeah. And then if, when we get into into the spatialization thing, it's something that we just don't even think about. But then they were, our ancestors were highly aware of that. And even they designed, the, you know, these churches or and structures, you know, the pyramids, everything. Oh, the acoustics everything. are super important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They, they thought about it and, and, it, and it was a part of their... Of their way to worship the gods to recreate the, this this emotion and this sense of of uh, of other worlds and beings that would were connected through yeah. through the ceremonies that they were doing. I actually remember taking a class that kind of like talked about that a little bit through yeah. uh, tuning and temperament. Um, but uh, it was this whole thing about how, it, at least the professor that I had at the time was talking about how they talked about, uh, or at least the 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 whole thing was. In the Middle Ages, typically, typically we learn, oh well, they didn't know about uh, they didn't know about like just thirds, and then they discovered the just third, and then it was like, oh, what a discovery! And the particular professor that we had was was saying like, are you joking? Like they they knew about all the temperaments back then, they just didn't find the just third to be compelling. 
you know? Yeah. Like they, like in, in ancient Greece, they totally knew about equal temperament, but it was like, why, why would you want to do that? Yeah. You know, it just seems boring, you know? So it was really an interesting, uh, an interesting kind of thing. Um, since you had mentioned um, that and, and the kind of the global influence that you're taking in your own composition, um, I know at least in in jazz music, which is kind of where we're John and I are coming from, um, at least you know like formally train training in music. Um, there's always this real kind of like dichotomy and tension against tradition and innovation, you know. Like the the easiest way to make sure that you have a jazz album, like in the liner notes, is to say uh, this artist is being innovative while at the same time honoring the tradition, which means nothing. Which is it's, ironic. It's pure irony because jazz was revolutionary at right, the time, right? And then now it's all about purity and tradition, right. which is right. Like what the, the hell happened? Like yeah, yeah. exactly. Like what? to say being innovative yeah. while at the same time yeah. honoring the tradition is. To say absolutely nothing. That is a yeah. non-statement. So my question uh, to you, since since you have your uh, since you have a big part of your of your career in game music, yeah. is uh, I know I know John made some uh, some waves probably on Facebook by saying that the new the new industry in the music industry is the video game industry. Um, do you find that in video games you have freed yourself at least to a certain extent from this? tension against traditions and innovations yeah it's it's been a big reason why i've focused my last almost 10 years to in doing games because it is the one medium where i found myself i could actually express myself as an artist and still tell stories and it's still something that that people are going to be using and playing and living with for hours and hours and and be, it becomes part of their lives in, in a big sense so it's kind of the best of all worlds and that and and more and more so now that I'm that I'm digging further, um, I'm realizing that that uh, there is even more of an allowance that as as I push the boundaries. Like for example, I'll give you a good example. Uh, when I was doing Tomb Raider, I I thought uh, you know I was doing some sketches at first, and and I thought okay, I have to somehow connect it to the other Tomb Raiders that were using more traditional, yeah, yeah. you know, and then they they had a certain set formula, and I try to do a bit of that, and then when I Played it for the creative directors and and the audio director, uh, Rob uh, Bridget. So they're very aware, and right away they told me they sat down and they were like, you know what, we want we want you in the jungle doing ayahuasca. We want the shaman. That's awesome. We want to hear the realness. Yeah. And that opened up my eyes. I was like, wow. And then I went back in the studio, did what I what I felt would was coming from me for real, and it worked perfectly. That that's was that's it. beautiful. Yeah. You know, and and it's it's beautiful that you have the the permission to kind of follow your own muse on that. Um, it's yeah. like, I I know, I know it. Like back in uh, there was a there's a, a a deceased jazz club in uh, in Orange County that was called Steamers, and uh, yeah, I know everybody. Yeah, you know, John's laughing in the background because there's we tons of tons of tons of Steamers stories. That's for sure, but. Uh, but in the back, there were all these William Claxton uh, photographs of like 52nd Street and such. And, you know, you look on on the thing and it's like Oscar Pettiford's, you know, on the marquee and, all, and you're like, oh, man, you know, I feel this nostalgia for 
for 52nd Street, I guess, even though I've never been to 52nd Street in the 1940s or, or the 1950s or whenever it was taken. Um, you know, nonetheless, you, you kind of manufacture this, this nostalgia because you're supposed to, because like, that's what it means. But, uh, but I wonder how many artists out there, when they really go into, into their own, you know, their own selves, Mm -hmm are not actually feeling nostalgia for 52nd street, but something else. And they're not actually going there because, well, because the music, they didn't leave, live that. Right. Because the music set, yeah. because the music is telling them, no, no, if you want to be valid, you have to do this, yeah. you know? So it's, it's very cool that yeah. you are freed from that, you know? Yeah. I'm lucky. And thing is that, that, uh, yeah, I think we have to, as artists, we have to live, life and then express what happens in life like one one huge lesson you know one time i was talking to this one musical master and i was like how can i get good like you know i practice so hard and he's like live life just mm. live and your music is going to get better by default there you go there yeah you go. yeah that stuck with me and and that's when i'm when i'm making my music that those are the experiences that i that i bring back um and even even in the work that I'm doing with spatial uh, sound, like for example, I did this one project in, in the SAT, which is this dome uh, venue in, in, Mon- in Montreal. It's got over 150 different speakers. Oh, that's amazing. So what, what I did, um, I wanted to recreate um, some, some of the feeling of, that I had of, of being in the jungle and being able to, and, and experiencing the sounds around me. And what I did was actually spatialize a lot of jungle sounds that I had recorded at that time it, all, all across the dome. And then what I did, I played live music and I would loop it up on the spot. But what would happen was I had set up sensors on the, with the dancer. I had a dancer in the middle and as she was moving, her, her hands and her body motions would spatialize the, the, the loops that I was recording on oh, the spot. Oh, that's amazing. Were you using Kinect or what? Uh, you we were using these little, little uh, hand sensors. There was a Kinect that was gra- uh, grabbing her and projecting back onto a 3D uh, uh, virtual setup, which oh, was so projecting cool. on the dome. So she was this giant moving around. But uh, yeah, but there were other sensors that were also putting the music all over the dome so it was just the interconnected experience where there's music moving the person moving the the dancing was actually you know creating that that spatial feeling and emotion and and there was and it was all interconnected live on the spot right so that's the kind of kind of things that where i trip out on like how can we do this in like on the spot and really like also feed off the crowd and feel the vibration feel the the energy around us and then react accordingly yeah, when I think, and I think that's honestly one of the things that struck me the most. You know, let me move this camera. Hi, <laughs> can you hold that, Ryan? Yeah, you know, um, sorry, we're independent, you guys. You know, um, I, <laughs> the zero system means zero gimbals, zero money. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so, um, but you know, one of the one of the things that struck me about the soundtrack to Shadow of the Tomb Raider was how human it was. You know, there was there was a lot going on mm-hmm. that that felt like it was really connected to an experience of just you know being a person. And even the way um, I don't know how much of the the sound design too that you were responsible for, but you know, when bringing that music I, in, the I musical... contributed a lot of musical sound and uh, the and the crazy amazing talented team at, at uh idos montreal it, right. uh, it's this uh the audio director's rob bridget he right. he's a, he was a he is a visionary because he, from the beginning he he came he sat down his, you know the first time i met him he's like yeah i want to figure out a way that we can we can interconnect right. music and sound in such a way that right. it's going to become this one unified fabric that's, and, and that's 
Yeah. I'm getting chills right now because that that's what we talked about on the phone was like, you know, the, the sound design and the music, they don't have to be separate entities anymore. And when you no. talk about that, that installation that you were doing in Montreal in this, in this room, well, it's like, it, it, it seems like it's, it's starting to realize a yeah. new genre of, of art and music. You know, it's yeah. like music and sound design interwoven together, creating an experience that is just like an extension of our humanity. I know that sounds really corny and no, stuff to some people, but I think for us it, it makes sense, you know, because, yeah. well, and, that, and that's what I experienced in the game is yeah. it, they, they really connect so well. I mean, I don't usually get freaked out in games with shock scares and things like that, yeah. you know, but it's like the way that you guys use music and sound effects to all coordinate. It's everything about the game is musical, yeah. you know. Well, that, that experience was almost like a practice run hmm. uh, for while I was doing the, the soundtrack. So okay. I was actually doing okay. the, the soundtrack live on the spot and I did this for a month straight almost for four nights wow. a week for an hour every every night so and then we you know then I went to the studio and recorded it and if I have recordings of both and I'll, I'll share it with you guys and you're gonna hear the the similarities you'll be really like cool. oh wait a minute this is the live version this was this so in a sense I rehearsed it all live and then when I was actually when I was in this back in the studio it would all just flow because I had mm. spent so much time already taking the music, performing it in front of people, in a, all spatialized already, and then it was like, okay, let's lay it down for, for the game and, and get into the vibe and, and you know, right. feel the, the right vibe for a, um, and, and textures and get that going. And, and then, yeah, going back and forth with, forth with, the, with the audio team, it, it, it was just pure magic, actually. I think this is another thing that we were discussing when we were uh, driving up here. Um, one of the things that, because cause we, we streamed a little bit of the, uh, the soundtrack when we were mm -hmm. coming up and everything. Um, I think what we really appreciated about the soundtrack is just that even if you, because it's, it's my understanding, maybe, maybe we should not skip hop over things. Um, it's my understanding that you utilize some kind of spatialized stuff uh in the composition process of the game or uh or uh, of the game music or uh did you i was using a uh this amazing microphone it's called a josephson c700s and it's it's the bomb and what would happen is that um it's it's got a really beautiful uh flat sound but also it, the spatial information that, that i get from it mm. is super malleable so we were able to, able to mix like very precisely. And then what would happen is that we would get a lot, give a lot of the stems and elements to the audio director. And Rob had already, like we, we, we had been going back and forth and even with, with, you know, just from the very beginning and even what we did at the SAD, it, it just generated a lot of ideas. And he took it and he he mixed the Dolby Atmos and he put a lot of stuff around. Nice, and it just, nice, yes. That's where it all became even more integrated. So, so there was this, this whole, iteration where we we're just building upon you know tried and true methods bit by bit and yeah you're gonna feel it if you played an atmos man it's, i it's i awesome think mix. what we really appreciated was that even if you stripped all that away the music is still good like it's still good music no, like it's you. it's just it's like like it the 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 thing that it we right like the thing that we come across a lot when it when uh when there's detractors to the to mm -hmm. the spatial audio game is that perhaps it can be used you know techno the technology can be used to cover up otherwise not good music and that somehow That's by true. adding right. somehow by adding spatialization it will then become good and i i think what was the uh 
what was the uh the 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 like the like the the analogy that you came up with john was like it's the difference between having like would you rather have poop on your nose or just get a full-on swirly you know in the toilet right i it's, i think <laughs> right i think that's i think that's what you that that's the way that you put it right that and was, it's like yeah or you, you can't make something that that doesn't have the stuff you can't right. turn it into that by using technology no 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 the yeah. source still needs to be to be real so but, yeah. so you know I, I i guess the point that that we're arriving at is it's not cheating to use this technology. It is merely taking good music and making it better, like more, more like improving the medium of, of listening, mm-hmm. you know, but the, but the actual stuff itself has to be still, well, still good. I think if you're doing music and you, you have a very focused intent and you have also in mind how it's going to be spatialized, uh, then, then you've got something really solid there because then right. it's it's yeah yeah you're it's it's not like oh I'm gonna do something it's gonna be cool it's gonna swirl around me and I'm gonna just like feel amazing because of it no it's like okay why are we feeling this behind why are we coming at, you know it's coming from the top to what or why am I feeling surrounded by by this wall of sound you know and then like right. if there's an intent and there's an emotional connection that that you're able to create by doing that then. Then you've got something real. I would agree with you. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, um, what was the what was the other thing that we were talking about? Well, well, well I think I think you know, I think also kind of playing playing off of that, you know. You know I got it. Oh, yeah, I got you got it. it. When, I want to ask you about because there's there's different levels of interaction. So one of the things that we've been doing, and this is playing off of what you're talking about an emotional experience with mm-hmm. music, right? It's like, you know, and connecting with what music really should be and what it can be to people and, and how we react to it and experience it. You know, there, there's different levels of interaction. We've created a bunch of VR experiences kind of in-house in our studio so that we could, you know, basically seduce artists and say, hey guys, like, here's what you can do with this stuff. Like, this is the kind of experience you can make. And we saw that a lot of people actually didn't want to interact with the audio itself as much as we thought they would. It's um, it. They just wanted to sit there and experience it, and almost let the audio interact with them, just by existing within that space. So I, I've kind of got this question in my mind since we first started talking, and I wanted to know, you know, how how important, and what do you what do you see in the future of music production in terms of, um, you know, where we can go with with user interaction, you know, with with the responding to the audience, those types of things. There's I mean, I think there's a, there's, there's there's so, so much things, that's right? been unexplored, and that's the thing that like, right. if we um, actually I'm I'm doing tests right now where we're basically throwing a lot of the elements into into a audio middleware like for example Wise actually why I mm-hmm. mainly use Wise, and then we're able to just reactively spatialize depending on user actions. Okay. Yeah. That's now crazy. we're talking now, but. I don't think, yeah, like you said, like some people get freaked out. Uh, it, it could be even subtle things. And then it's something that people are going to have to get used to almost. And and once they realize the possibilities, then we're going to be able to develop this new language, which it's actually not a new language. We've been doing this from the time we were even monkeys, let's call it that way, because we were highly aware of it. Right. But it's we've been conditioned into learn into thinking that music is stereo we hear it with just two ears it's coming from a specific source but right 
like when we're actually able to create a, an environment, then we're going into, we're accessing deeper parts of our psyche. And even like we're getting into our animal side, we're feeling, you know, we're, we're it's, it's, and that's, that's where it's going to get interesting. If we, if we get, if we're able to create experiences that tap directly into that, it's going to be another thing. Yeah. And you know, that it makes me think about, you know, some of the other companies that are out there doing, you know, audio projects, you know, immersive audio, because immersive audio doesn't just mean spatial audio, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It also means audio that's just taking you on a different type of internal journey, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And putting you in a different space. So there's this app, and we're actually going to talk to the creator of that app this week. It's called Endel, or Endel, I don't know how to pronounce mm -hmm. it. Um, but basically, it's a it's an algorithm-driven app that can respond to your movements, respond to, you know, what time of day it is. I think it responds to heart rate and things like that. I've only played with it a little bit. But it crafts a soundscape for you that's designed to help you, you know, and it's so funny that they made this because it's something Ryan and I have been dreaming about for a long time too. Is they, they, they've crafted this thing that creates sound that responds to the way that you are and puts you in the place that you want to be. You know what I mean? Whether for productivity or relaxation or creativity and things like mm -hmm. that. And it's like, you know, you know, we're looking at it from that side. There's like this almost music therapy kind of side of advancements and immersive technology. And then there's just entertainment side. But when those things start to come together, they can really create uh, a situation where you, you actually think differently about the medium, you know, and you can mm -hmm. create experiences, that, like I said, in a, in a new genre almost, you know. So it's just something that that I'm dreaming about every day and trying to figure out what, what are people doing with this stuff, you know. What are what are some uh, I don't know. Are there any cool projects that you're aware of other than other than yours? Because yours are amazing, obviously. And you've told me some of the stuff that you want to do. You know. Um, yeah, but, I'm not. I'm not. There's not that much going on yet. Right. Um, I think it's going to take a little bit more time for people to just like get used to the idea and then start really experimenting and, and pushing the boundaries. Um, but I, I can't wait, actually. I, I really want to yeah. see. And I, and I think it's going to be it's going to happen soon. Like, you know, you guys, are, you know, you guys are taking you in a sense. There is a small crowd. We're the trailblazers, but right. we will there will be more people coming because it's something that it's only going to grow like and it's I'm, I don't even think it's it's limited to, you know, the one medium as in VR or, you know, listen to it as a in, a in a spatial sense. I think it's going to be around us in the real world, all around us. We just don't realize it yet. Yeah. And with technology, it's all going to become a seamless experience. It's already being built as such. So we, the idea of walking down the street and having both 3D elements interact with us, you know, let's call it augmented reality, mixed reality, whatever, the XR, you know, <laughs> yeah, the magic verse, whatever you want to call it, you know, um, people are not, people are very focused right now on the visual part, but sound will be even more important in this new world that that's being formed as we're speaking. Well, I think, I think someone had actually mentioned at the, the reality mixer that I think it was actually in the panel that you were at that you perceive sound faster actually yeah you your perceive, brain actually perceives yeah. sound faster it's the it's the first uh sense that that uh, you know before we're born we're already using as we're in the womb that's what we're, that's what we are are hearing is the first thing that that come that that develops and then yes you're right actually i um i've done i've seen i've done a bunch of research i've spent uh like hundreds of hours research, researching this and 
the yeah the first thing that 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 respond is to, to our brains respond is to sound and then sound is so powerful that we can even uh, affect the sa- the the way we perceive the taste of food even depending on the on the on the kind of music we're hearing it can affect that it can affect heart rate it can affect breathing rates even and our ability to to relax and sleep and even our focus uh, a huge thing, for example, is also the idea of natural sound or and and sound that's non-repetitive. So you know, it's people. It sounds cheesy, but it's actually there's a reason why uh, some of these places play bird sounds. You know, because it relaxes people. And the reason it it happen, it does is because there is it's non-repetitive. It's it's always it, there's a there's a there's a random part to it, but yet it focuses people at the same time. So. It's going to be interesting to be able to recreate these kinds of environments and the spatial techniques are going to be a huge part of that. Do you do you find that in order to create that you're going to have to or we're all going to have to explore other means of uh, compositional processes? Because I mean, like when you're learning to compose, that's all patterns and it's all, you know, like form it. That's not formulaic, but I mean, it, it operates mm-hmm. off of formulas. Yeah. Um, do you, do you find that like, um, procedural music or anything like that might play, a, uh, a powerful to a certain extent? This? Actually, I, do, I feel procedural music doesn't really, when we, when we leave it purely to algorithms, we kind of lose a bit of the soul and you can sense it. Um, not saying that I, I think it's a great technique and we got to keep going with that because it's amazing. But um, sorry, I got to collect my thought on no, this yeah, one yeah. because it's, it's uh, okay. I had it, I had it and then I, I got into the procedural thing. Oh yeah. So the thing is that, that uh, because I've spent so much time doing interactive music, I've learned to think of music in nonlinear ways. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there might be patterns. It might be, like certain sections and things that happen. But when I'm making music, I'm actually creating a wall of sound. I'm, I'm actually create, thinking of all the layers and all the possibilities that can happen and mm. building it into my music. So when it's taken apart and re-expressed in, an, in, an, in the game engine, it's actually happening. It's, I've, I've created all the tool set, all the right things so that it can organically change and seamlessly change within there. And the idea, I, there's a few things like that I've done. For example, I've set certain rules, like I play live from the very beginning to the end of the song. And even if it's the same pattern, I'm playing it live. And just the fact that I'm doing that and, I'm, and it's right. not quantized and, it's, and there's a, an intent behind it, you feel it. And, and what, you can hear and that. Yeah. You can hear it and you can feel it. And, and even when, you're, when, when it's being remixed and repurposed and everything, it still translates through. And that's something right. that people forget. They're just, you know, a lot of times they just do something, they loop it up and here we go. Okay, there we go. No, man, there's like, you're, that's only a very small part of the equation. Right. Tell me, like, this This makes me think, I think a lot of people that are listening to this are listening because of, you know, what you're doing as a composer. Um, can, can you explain more, even like just for me, I want to know more about when you're composing a piece, how are you thinking harmonically? How are you thinking in terms of the the content itself that you're creating when you want to put it into a situation where it's completely nonlinear, like for adaptive music listening, you know, in a gaming environment that integrates with the sound with with the sound environment as as well? 
you know, it's, maybe even from Shadow of the Tomb Raider, maybe. Yeah, or even other ones. Um, or other games, yeah. I think it's it's uh, it's something that you have to think about in in a very specific uh, application because hmm. every scene, every scene, or every you know part of the gameplay, where, you know, sometimes you got puzzles, sometimes you got action scenes, sometimes you have right. uh, emotional scenes, and somehow you might have to shift between all of these three things or even more situations seamlessly from one thing to the other. So part of it is, yeah, a bit of pre-planning. And then part of it is also just intent and then expression through the instruments. And so I, I kind of, I set the intent and then I play and somehow it comes out in, the, in, in <laughs> as on the spot as I'm doing this. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but that that happens because you know I'll wake up at five in the morning and I practice like four or five hours, and then I'm in a in this like almost like a Zen state, and then I'm like, okay, let's do it, let's record, and then boom, mm -hmm. another six hours of nonstop recording happens, and then and then the magic happens, and then it just yeah yeah there yeah yeah, yeah we could totally relate, <laughs> but we've never scored a video game or anything like that. it's it was a dream of mine growing up to be a video game composer. You know really? what I mean? Yeah. Actually, I started out I wanted to be an animator and a character designer. And then when I, I played music since I was seven years old, and then um, by the time I finished high school, I realized I was much better at the saxophone than I was maybe at drawing, although my parents would disagree. I think they, they thought I was better at drawing, you know. But, um, but I, I sort of stubbornly decided to do music. And, you know, this, you know part, part of our story is Zero System 2 is, you know, trying to get back to our roots as musicians and, you know, and what made it fun to listen to music. I mean, I remember... As a kid, you know, like I think in we're all kind of in the same generation here. So it's like I think we all had that experience where you would turn on the Super Nintendo and you would play Breath of Fire or Final Fantasy and you would go into like the inn and you would just let the character sit there and you would just let that music loop for hours while you wrote or you drew or you did your homework or you did something else. And it's like yeah. there there is this idea. There's this thing about static music that's existing within space that's just kind of like passively telling a story or putting you in a situation that that's always been attractive to me you know and, and I think that's what is so so interesting about game design and then I remember the first time I heard about adaptive sound was um in Metal Gear Solid 2 you know when uh was it Harry Gregson Williams who composed that and and I remember there was a big deal made in like a Game Informer or PSN magazine or something where they were talking about how you know as Solid Snake moves through the ship you know, the, the, the sound design is going to change, you know, when things happen, the music, you'll never be able to tell when one song starts, when another one be ends, you know? Yeah. And, and that really caught my ear back then. And from that moment on, I always wanted to be a game composer, but I always thought it was, you know, like out of my wheelhouse to try to figure out how to meet those people and do that stuff. But, you know, it's um, all merging anyways. And we're all becoming like when it right. comes down to it within the next, you know, 10 years, it's all going to be, well, not all, but a lot of it will be interactive anyways. That's, that's and, where I'm going. Yeah. yeah. And it's all yeah. this yeah. merging, you know, like spatialization, interactivity, reactivity. This is all becoming one thing. And, and right. in it's, a sense, like, yeah. I don't think there's really a, a need for to differentiate. It's, it's just different tool sets right. that we, we, we just have to access. And with, a, you know, with the right intent and with the right idea to, to create something that actually has meaning and, and it's going to create some, you know, something meaningful for people to, that they're going to enjoy and get something out of it and not just for entertainment just to better their lives even that's something that's really important for me being able to do create music and art and experiences that 
take people to some to a place where they they are able to get energy and be able to in a sense you know make their lives better get into the right states of mind and 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 you know enjoy their lives better be able to share it with their family and friends as well so that's something that I'm, that I'm very passionate about and another thing too is is the idea of educating people enough so that they're aware that they don't have to put up with the all the really bad sound that we're surrounded with ah. all, all day long like there's this insane noise pollution that we deal with but we don't even realize that it's affecting us in a negative way I think there was a company called Nuheria that tried to remedy that and I'm not yeah. quite sure how successful they were with their uh, like it was like sound canceling earbuds but there was like a control mechanism where you could control the frequency mm-hmm. that was you know like ice you know like isolated and which one was muted um, I don't know it might have been a price point thing where it maybe didn't catch on or something. People Who probably knows? didn't even understand it. And, probably and, not. And didn't, yeah. But getting back into the, uh, the, uh, the video game thing, I, I know John and I have talked a lot about how we realized when we were going to make our second album about just how much video game music actually impacted us. Um, I know for me, one of the things that I really appreciated was the early, you know, cause I'm not like a gamer now. I don't play a lot of video games, but back in the day, Oh man, you know, my parents hated the fact that I played so much video games. I think they were like, get off the video games. Um, but uh, I think one of the things I really appreciated was within the the very limited confines of what you were able to work with back then, you know, like the bleeps and the bloops. That, and with uh, like maybe 30 seconds, you, you get like that tiny little allocation. It's amazing things that happen when you're limited. Eh? Yeah, There's like so the, much creativity like the melodies and like the fact that they were able to define the soundscape for this level and give it kind of an identity was, was really engaging. And I know certainly influenced me as a composer because it's like, man, you got to you got to identify what the vibe of this piece is like mm-hmm. now, like right away right like don't wait mm-hmm. you know um is did you have a particular moment uh when you were growing up that kind of defined your direction as a composer or wanted made you want to get into video games well uh there's a there's a bunch of them okay uh, <laughs> that's okay that's why we're doing so this. the first one is <laughs> that is driving that, on the freeway listening <laughs> so they've got all the time in the world so uh, I grew up in the Andes Mountains of Venezuela. Uh, my mom was an artist and we were really poor. So the only thing she could afford to buy me was a flute. That's all I had to play with. And then I had no toys. I had to build my own toys. And uh, yeah, even when I was a teenager, I, I had to, I ended up actually throwing parties. And then with the money I made from the parties, I, I bought synths and I started making electronic music <laughs> of all things, actually. Excellent. Yeah. And, uh, but for me, it was always, I was doing stuff like music that that I would have people reacting all the time. I was I was always out there performing, feeling that energy, having that come back and forth. And when I started doing music for video games, I I realized like this is kind of the same thing. It's just it's just a different way of doing it, but it, you're doing the same thing. We're actually just creating music that's going to perform, that's going to react to people as they're doing their as they're going through the motions and, and within the game so it's it really is the, that you know i had that eureka moment and it's the same thing nice. and, and then i was like okay i know how to do this i i it's it's been it, i've been doing it all my life nice and and i know you go around the world you know correcting uh or not correcting uh, but collecting um mm-hmm. 
all of these soundscapes like uh, we were talking before the camera started rolling about the scene uh, during the is it is it actually uh, Dia Dia de los Muertos is it actually that scene is that yeah, a, yeah, is that yeah, yeah. and yeah. and you actually like collected a bunch of sounds um, I assume that you've done this in other locations as well uh, yeah for other games for 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 Shadow of the Tomb Raider that I I was actually on a hunting trip for for instruments and yeah. uh, doing research and then. Uh, yeah, I had a I had a decent recorder with me, so I as I was traveling around, I recorded as many sounds as I could, and then gave it to the sound team, and they went nuts on it. And yeah, that's what a, a lot of the sounds you hear in there. It's yeah. It's so so now I'm going to ask you the impossible question, I guess, right? Um, of all the places where you've been, and kind of soaked up the the sound vocabulary of that of that area. If you if you if it was like desert island time and it was time to only go to one place to uh, to get inspired for sounds, what place would that be for you? I know that's a tough one. Oh, that's, that's like a tough it's, one. Because there's every place is. Are cool, you talking right? natural sound? Or are you, I think are you I'm talking, talking about like just the 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 overall like natural sound, like just kind of like climate of the area. Oh, for the Amazon. The Amazon. In Peru. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember when I first, the first time I ever did ayahuasca and it was in, in this dark hut with a shaman singing and he had these leaves brushing. He just had this, you know, they were basically branches with, with dried leaves, but he was shaking them and singing. But then at the same time, we were surrounded in, the, in this jungle where and hearing all of these amazing sounds. And it's just like, you, you could almost feel like the forest reacting to his singing and even to me breathing. And then you realize, whoa, man, okay, we're freaking interconnected. And this is like, okay, now I know how we felt like when we were before technology started, mm. before we even realized that, you know, we were actually like <laughs> probably monkeys at that time. How, how amazing. Yeah. How, how interesting and amazing is it then? I mean, you know, because it's like here we are using this technology to try to bring to about a state before technology. It's, it's like kind of, it's kind of fitting in that way, right? I mean, you know, it's interesting yeah, stuff. It's all been, at the end of the day, I mean, I mean, everybody searches to go back inside and just to have that, you know, feel that connection with, you know, a higher sense, whatever you want to call it, you know, God, the universe, you know, or, you know, Buddha, whatever it is, yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. You, you, you know, it's, is your, is your thing. But yeah, we all want to have, have that connection going and uh, feel that connection and feel that energy and then get into a state of mind where everything flows. And yeah, music, I think is, is one of the more uh, powerful means of doing that and sound is. And uh, I mean, even like nowadays, like I get up in the morning and I, I've been, I go to India and I spend a month out of, out of the year in India. And I started this the, to practice this one ancient tradition of singing. It's the most uh, ancient uh, existing tradition in India. It's called Rupad. So what I do, I get up in the morning at five in the morning and I sing one note for almost an hour with a, with a drone. And it's just going into one note. like, And your voice is wavering and your whole body is like, what the hell, I'm half asleep. <laughs> but then as you keep going, as you know, 20 minutes pass, half an hour passes, 40 minutes passes, and then suddenly everything just locks. And then you start hearing frequencies within frequencies, and your your whole body's literally resonating because you're singing, you're you're, and you know with a drone, and then you start realizing, oh man, okay, just by singing one note, you're getting the gamut of all the other notes and and the you know the the sense of oh the the aura of the of the of the tonalities and the harmonics, 
And what's the result of that? It's not just to relax. Uh, my ears have become insanely fine-tuned, so I can hear micro-tunes. I, I, it's crazy because I have friends that have perfect pitch, and now we get into the same debates. Like, oh, no, no, we're talking like, you know, like literally, we can debate like micro-sense, and we can hear exactly the same thing. And I wasn't born with that. Yeah, I, I'm convinced that's a learned, a learned uh, thing, absolutely. I mean, yeah. Ryan has perfect vision. Yeah, but you, yeah, but you probably kill me uh, with the uh, with the uh, the micro with the micro Let's stuff. Um, I know, right? Yeah, a, sound, a sound, a sound, a sound shootout. Tell me what note this you know, is. you know, you know. I, I mean, not to not to get on a thing about that, but I mean, I remember being in college, and a lot of people would talk about perfect pitch, and they would talk about, oh, you know, that note was was out of tune and I just couldn't take it. It, it just like hurt me. It was, and it was like, man, don't go to Indonesia then. I mean, or like any place where they don't Actually, use it's right. You're I saying mean, this like, because it's, it's very cultural. And, yeah. 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 You know, but like, I mean like, like yeah, it's like, yeah. I, I, but more, more, it was just like, Oh, well don't go somewhere where they don't use a, like, you know, equal temperament then because then everything will be out of tune. To, to be honest, just equal die, temper right? for me is, is actually out of tune. No, like, no, it, well, it is out of tune. <laughs> it, it's totally out of tune. It's just equally out of tune. Every note sounds equally bad, you know? Um, but, yeah. but yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, but yes, yes. Um, I, I, I think I know where you're going about like, uh, Cultures that have more tonal language tend to express uh, perfect pitch in a greater amount in the yeah, population. Yeah, like Indian set. music for me is the most advanced, and that's why I keep going back there. And it's kind of like the source, like the mother of, of that school of thought. And uh, I didn't realize until I really got into it how like powerful it is. And in talking from a spatial sense, when you start hearing, like, you know, I do this with a group of people where we sing this one note, and then you start hearing the waivers, and then you just by the having the waivers you get you know like natural binaural beats and you're hearing all these like mm. you know so there's all these like all these possibilities like we haven't even started to think about like no doubt I, there. if you're if you're out of tune in uh in a mono sense it's it's crushing like it like it's yeah. rough right yeah. but if you spread that out enough yeah. then it actually sounds pretty good you yeah. know it's it's very interesting like yeah. distance distance in itself yeah. creates creates a different kind of uh, situation. Yeah, and um, just but very subtle fluctuations, you're actually able to play with that specialization. There's there's a yeah. there's a recording um, that the closest I've ever gotten to experience what you're talking about is a recording of four organs, which is uh, I don't know if you've heard that one. No, I don't. I don't it's a it's a it's a Steve Reich uh, piece, like an early one where it's totally procedural music. Um, wow. And it's just this, it's just this repeated figure on an, on four organs with a maraca player who is, <laughs> no, I mean, who is, who, who, oh, who, hey, who wins, right, right. Maracas who, are like, you who, can who, do well, well, this shit, guy, like. well, this guy wins the endurance award because <laughs> the, the, uh, the maraca part on that is 15 minutes about of just, and it just has to be even, which yeah. is, that's like brutal. Right. Yeah. Um, but the 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 length of the pulses increase in duration mm -hmm. over time and it's like as it increases you start hearing all the little overtones and all the mm -hmm. subtle like out of tuneness between all four organs and it's like i've always wanted to hear that maybe in like quad or something yeah. like that so each organ gets its own thing you know it's but uh but uh but yeah i mean like it's it's pretty interesting when you when you hyper focus down into one particular frequency that mm -hmm. a whole world opens up in between yeah. you know. 
Yeah. And then the, the, the idea of, of having that awareness, but then also being able to kind of go like, it's interesting because I'm kind of in both extremes. Like, you know, I've been into pre-Hispanic music and that, that's kind of like where I come from. I, and even from a childhood perspective, I was learning a lot of this stuff, which has almost like you don't even think about tuning. It's more just feeling and then expression and 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 just creating almost like a sound. You know, it's almost very sound effective in a sense, like these cultures were the original sound designers. And then you get into the Indian aesthetic, which is very precise and very calculated. And you're doing but and you're creating these beautiful textures and layers of of waves of sound. But it's all. Even though they're improvising, there's a very, very specific planning that's happened in, in you know, decades of practicing. So they, they just happen on the spot. So my whole thing has been able to is is being able to take both and, and kind of like take the best of both worlds and fuse them together. And that's that's kind of like the next steps of where I'm going with this these days. That's amazing. And and before and before we're done and we'll we'll wrap it up soon. But, you know. I think at the end, Ryan, remind me to ask Brian, because I, I want you to recommend, do some recommended listening of your own music for people. Because, you know, because I think they're, they're listening because they want to hear your music, you know, and like things that, that you feel like best reflect, you know, your aesthetics and, and where you're coming from, you know. Um, mm -hmm. um, but, but, but before I ask that question again, you know, so that I don't forget it, um, you know, when, when, you're, when we're talking about hearing these sounds interacting in space, you know, with, with the harmonies and with the microtuning and things like that and natural binaural beats that occur from, you know, those fluctuations in intonation and pitch, it's like that kind of stuff is experienced differently in an acoustic environment than having two headphones on your ears pumping, exactly. pumping audio at you, yeah. right? So it's like, you know, music that may have been overlooked or forgotten or music that people didn't get it, you know, stuff that was maybe a little bit too outside or a little bit too artistic or too ambient for most people's consumption. Like one of our experiences just in writing our own music is that using spatial audio, people are listening to music that they wouldn't normally listen to because they're able to experience a different layer of mm -hmm. like layering of sound that harmonically they, they wouldn't get before, you know what I mean? Because yeah, because you're because simulating all that shit it's with context. like stereo audio, right? So, exactly. So now it's like yeah. the stuff that you're talking about can be more easily experienced. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I don't know. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, I think we agree, right? But well, it's amazing, I totally right? agree. It's and crazy, and, right? we're, and we're getting beyond music. I think we're just creating mm. sound experiences and right. and journeys. Like, yeah, it is music. It's you know, but uh, I say not not to call it music because like <laughs> we're designing a, a a journey now, and and at the same time, it's. Like I was talking about before, this is something that we've been doing for thousands of years. So it's 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 somehow like for, you know, we're able to bring the old and then express it in this new form. As this is kind of like the new way of 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 being able to offer it, and I think it's freaking great. Actually, this oh, is amazing. like we're just scratching the surface, man. And yeah. yeah, and and I think you're scratching the surface more than more than anybody I've heard in 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 the gaming community. Oh, you know, so. and and in, in this in this space, you know, with your, your compositions and the way that you're so mindful, you know, about everything and about the way that people will experience the music. It's like you knew that at this moment in the song, you know, I, this, you had the ability to make me feel a certain way, you know, at that, at that intro. Cause I mean, literally I was 45 seconds into the intro of that game when I posted that Facebook message, you know, and I was still had my headphones on and I'm on my phone. Cause, um, but yeah, you know, we, it would be so cool to stay in touch, you know, and um, I mean, we're going to talk more and everything, but, uh, 
But yeah, so before I forget, um, I, I want one, one of our missions with Zero System is, you know, we want to shed light on people who are using not just spatial audio, but creating immersive music, right? Not mm-hmm. as a buzzword, but music that actually takes you on a real journey. I mean, like Ryan was saying, that was that was a big paradigm shift for us from being jazz musicians who go in and do one take to producing like a really cinematic album mm-hmm. um, that, that changed our course. So share plug everything that you want that you want people to listen to like your your favorite stuff that you've composed things that you feel like really just express mm-hmm. what you feel like you're about as an artist because we're gonna we're gonna pimp that stuff all over the internet for you, so. so much i mean <laughs> go like, for it yeah you know if you want to if uh definitely take a listen to, to some of the cues that i've done uh, for resident evil 7 uh and that one i took the 3do quad binaural microphone and mm-hmm. i literally recorded hundreds of tracks where each each track there was different movement going on in each one and so i you know i created kind of these swarms of spatialized sound that's amazing and that that's uh we we mixed in quad and then uh i think the stereo you might still a lot actually the the stereo versions you can still get a sense of it but if somehow you guys can hear the quad version you would really understand and and it an interesting side story in that one my engineer was mixing it and he could only mix with you know maybe in 10 minutes worth and uh, now sorry if he could stay stay in the room for 10 minutes because then he would get so freaked out that he would have that, to take that, it out that game was really scary <laughs> yeah the sound was amazing was yeah that was a fun one and really uncomfortable it was a lot of fun to work with the capcom peeps like seriously they're, they're yeah they're great man uh yeah and then uh yeah if we get into shadow of the tomb raider um there's a, a lot of the Paititi, like Return to Paititi's 1Q, where I got into this nonlinear form of thinking. And so the rhythms are completely nonlinear. You're going you're gonna to hear it, though, the progression we're getting into. Mm. Like, it's constantly changing. And then we're getting polyrhythms, but it's flowing. And to be honest, when I did that piece of music, I could not think. I just had to feel. And if you mm. listen to it, there's no logic yet. It all works perfectly and if there's a progression right. and that's kind of like one of the quintessential like non-linear pieces I, I, that i that i that's worked out great really good and yeah that's i suggest listening to that uh, another one that we're getting into another aesthetic would be getting into um the spanish mission uh cues so um oh my god i'm forgetting the name of the of uh, the name i gave it on the soundtrack but uh there's a couple choral pieces there let me let's just look it up guys sorry yeah no no take a yeah. look so everybody listening, we're going to post these links in the YouTube um, in the description. So make sure you scroll down and check it out. And we'll link you up to everything that Brian gives us so that you guys can continue to check out um, up here everything quickly. he's working on. Sorry, you guys. One second. No, no, that's, just... that's fine. That's Which, you know, that, that makes me think. Talk about this. I, <laughs> this helmet. So funny story. We ended up in this, uh, in this apartment that Brian's staying. It's his friend's apartment. It turns out that the person is a production company owner. And there's just this amazing helmet sitting here. Does anybody know where that helmet's from? We've never, we've never found out, huh? <laughs> All I know is I want to wear it. Should I? Should I already I? did. Ryan already wore. I'm, I'm too chicken to wear it. I don't want to mess up my, mess up my hair. Hold on a second. <laughs> I just find the right. Oh, you're fine. One second. Let's. Okay. Let's see here. Oh yeah, the chosen. Forty-five to forty-five. So yeah, a lot of times the a lot of these songs. You want to play it for us, and we'll we'll sure. uh, we'll mix it in. Um, um, 
Yeah, second, let's find. Let's fast forward it here. Too bad the soundtrack is. Wait. Is this played on two cellos once? My eighteen, uh, eighteen seventy cello. It's and the the other one's an eighteen thirty cello, and um, like. All the melodies are one takes, and I, I sang this with my with my friend Rachel. Like uh, I, I did the initial melody, hmm. and it just all just happened in one spot. And this is taking more of a baroque side of things. This is I, I actually study a lot of baroque music as well. Hmm. But, so. but it's funny because there's actually it might sound baroque, but. It's because of all the Indian singing that I've been doing that that this piece happened. It's crazy, huh? Yeah. Where did you record this? All in the oh, that's in my beautiful RCA Victor room. It's uh, this was all there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is all. And the thing is, though, the way I, I like to work these days, and it's I, I'm not it's not hard rule, but it's kind of something that that's worked out really good, and I'm going to continue to do it. It's um, playing with space. So my room is pretty big; it's about a thousand square feet with these beautiful, massive ceilings. And it was the room was designed to resonate as an acoustic instrument back in the 1940s. Wow! Yeah, these guys were crazy. Like, yeah. but field trip. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> awesome place to to be in. And it took me a good few months to get used to working in, in a room like this because we're all used to close miking and getting everything and then adding reverb and EQ, you know, EQing and, and panning it after the fact. And right. my state of mind, I was already doing this before, but I actually pushed it even further because I was already kind of spatializing. I would record all the different parts. I'd move around the microphone. and But this time, like with these cues, I actually would you know, sometimes put the, the microphone across the room and, and basically mm. I was I was mixing and making hard decisions on the spot. Okay, I want this to be this far and recording it straight to tape. Just going and that's with your what gut. you hear. Just boom. Yeah. Most of like we barely even use any any reverb. This is all just live off the floor. That's that's the live reverb of that room. Yeah, I, we've we've gotta go there and check that out. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool, man. <laughs> well, cool. We'll um, we'll we'll link you guys yeah. to uh, all the stuff that you want to check out. So thanks again, Brian. Thank you guys. Um, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll do a follow up episode sometime and kind of see where you're definitely at which, which field trip. To. And you guys so, come up to Montreal and that'd be and beautiful. Be awesome, man. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much. Thanks. And, uh, thanks, Ryan. For <laughs> so this is a mom and pop operation. Here, do a zoom in for the for the finale. We're gonna zoom. zoom. No, no, come all the way in. Oh, okay. Zoom. Zoom. I'm going to put some really cool audio behind. Maybe some Resident Evil audio. Resident Evil. Okay, so... <laughs> well, we'll put some Resident Evil yeah. creepy. That's what works, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're sending that on the